This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. Vendor management. How well are banks implementing vendor management? And what innovations should they be considering? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Donald Saxinger, Senior Examination Specialist with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Don, could you give our audience a little background into the policy and examination programs implemented by the FDIC as well as the FFIAC when we talk about vendor management specifically? Hi, Tracy. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, sure. Um, you know, the, the regulators, uh, all of the regula- banking regulators, including the FDIC, uh, look at the bank's vendor management programs very seriously. Uh, we started looking at outsourcing issues uh, almost 40 years ago when the, uh, the government issued the uh, Bank Service Company Act. And we've been uh, conducting examinations of our financial institutions, like in the area of IT, for uh, almost as long. And one of those areas that we look at is the vendor management program. Um, back in 2004, we updated one of our handbooks uh, on an interagency basis as part of the FFIC's uh, IT examination handbook. And this one's called Outsourcing Technology Services, issued in June of 2004. And it kind of covers the basic areas of what we expect as regulators for the financial institutions to implement. It takes a risk management approach, and it says we'd like to see this process followed at a high level. And basically, there's four key areas, risk assessment, due diligence, contract issues, and monitoring. And just real briefly, those those issues. Um, so risk assessment is really all about the bank identifying the need for outsourcing and then justifying the decision. So it'll look at, you know, how does the bank, uh, how is their uh, business plan needing to uh, outsource this function? What are the goals of this uh, process that they want to outsource? Whereas due diligence is more about the process of selecting a specific service provider, making sure that that service provider can meet the goals that you've uh, described in your risk assessment, making sure that they are uh, the proper type of company for uh, ensuring the the types of data financial institutions usually have, like uh, sensitive customer information, being uh, uh, capable of providing available services. Uh, the third area, contracting, it's not just about a document, but from our perspective, it's the process to ensure that the business objectives, the goals, and the expectations are all agreed upon. And the key area that we look at there, what are the service level agreements? And then lastly is monitoring. Um, How do you monitor that relationship? Uh, Who does the monitoring? What do you monitor? Uh, For example, are you looking at the business health of the service provider, compliance with regulations, uh, compliance with the bank's own internal policies? How is their security posture? Essentially, everything we'd want to see in the service level agreements. So that, that's at a high level of what the regulators uh, are expecting. Um, that booklet that I mentioned, the Outsourcing Technology Services booklet, is used by examiners for conducting their exams. It's used by financial institutions to uh, form a, a, a self-assessment or a general health of their program. 
And uh, it's also used by service providers uh, to find out what the regulators expect of their clients. That's the uh, main policy area, but there's also um, a couple of regulations that are out there. Uh, one of them comes under Gramm-Leach-Bliley, which is the customer information security standards. And there are specific requirements in there for a financial institution to oversee their service provider arrangements. And basically all of those areas I just covered that are in the handbook. Don, when you take a step back and you look at where financial institutions are when it comes to some of these vendor management plans that they put into place and contracts that they have with these third parties, in what areas do you see banks falling short? Where are the weaknesses? Well, first I'd like to say that I do see a lot of um, good examples in our financial institutions. Um, back in 2008, we made a, a new uh, effort to uh, to uh, place vendor management at one of the top areas that we look at in our examination programs. And we've been doing this for many years, so I would expect the, uh, the life cycle to be mature in, in many institutions. But there's a few areas that we, we are, we're seeing that um, actually they're sort of emerging, so that probably areas that we'd like to see a little more emphasis on. Um, one of them has to do with payment systems. Uh, and it's not exactly what you would think of as a service provider, but it covers the broader topic of third-party relationships. And uh, we had issued guidance a couple years back on third-party relationships, which essentially says any third-party relationship should follow the guidance in our outsourcing guidance uh, for risk assessment, due diligence, uh, contracting, and monitoring. So in the area of third parties, we have um, uh, some, new, some new players into the uh, payments arena. For example, um, uh, under the new ACH automated clearinghouse rules, there are now um, intermediaries called third-party senders. It sort of separates the bank from knowing who their um, ultimate originators are. And there's been a few, a, a few weaknesses out there where these third-party senders have... Uh, uh, put the bank in a position of uh, possibly being liable for fraudulent uh, payments entering into the city uh, system uh, or for some compliance risk. Um, another area that uh, we can probably address is uh, the risk assessment process itself. Probably could use a little bit of improvement um, as, as more and more technology is outsourced we are getting to see more or we need to see a little bit more formality in the governance of how we do these risk assessments. For example, who's participating in the risk assessment? Is it the IT department? Is it compliance? Is it legal? Is it the business unit managers? Who's responsible for the overall uh, vendor management program? Um, and then what happens uh, when some of these new technologies come across the table of, for example, the IT steering committee or, or even just the CEO's desk, and there's no actual technology implemented. Uh, for example, uh, cloud computing or take social media. You don't have to install applications. You don't have to change your infrastructure to start utilizing some of these services that are out there and you could have uh, somebody from your staff doing it without your knowledge. So that's, those are areas that are, are uh, 
clicking in my mind right now. I do see some challenges as we outsource more and more for documenting all of these relationships and tracking and reporting. It's a, it's a challenge enough to do with just your you know, one core processor, but now with uh, so many services out there, it is getting a lot more challenging. And let's talk a little bit about cloud computing, Don. That's something that an emerging technology, at least, that we talk about quite a bit. How could the cloud enhance or improve vendor management? Uh, let me take a step back and say what I've seen in vendor management over time. So early on, we would see a file, a physical file kept on each vendor, and you know somebody would be responsible for managing that vendor and possibly doing the financial review and reviewing the contracts, et cetera. And then as institutions acquired more and more vendors, they moved to something more like a, a small database or a spreadsheet to track all of these things. But as the situation becomes more complex in a financial institution and you have more internal departments involved, um, you need to have a, a, a better methodology or a proven methodology for tracking and reporting on all of these relationships. So um, one of the areas that I've seen is um, services out there to help you manage your services. Um, uh, sort of like a, a cloud-based vendor management program. So that's one of the that's one of the newest innovations I've seen as far as the uh, cloud helping you with vendor management. What challenges does the cloud pose, Don, when it comes to service level agreements and or data ownership? The cloud has gotten pretty complicated as far as tracking um, what and where our data is. Um, it's very difficult to be secure when you don't know where your data is. And uh, as far as availability of your systems, it's really going to depend on uh, what type of cloud you're implementing. If you're just implementing sort of a web hosting system, or are you trying to integrate some sort of distributed architecture into the cloud? Um, the more complex of a system you're trying to use, the more it takes to evaluate your service level agreements. Uh, so for example, um, ensuring availability of your data. How do you know whether or not the cloud is really capable of providing you, say, 100% uptime? Um, is it a guarantee or is it a commitment? Uh, and we've seen some recent examples where uh, cloud outages do occur, even though they may um, provide commitments for 100% uptime. Same goes for security. There's been a few instances where we've seen some cloud providers for data storage um, asserting that there is security only to find out later that there really isn't security that they committed to. Specifically uh, for the availability issue we saw with Amazon recently where they had a regional outage, some clients were able to work through and plan for that outage while other clients were completely lost on their systems and some of them even lost data. Wow, okay. And how have you seen that evolve or change over the last, I'll say, six to, to 12 months? How, how are we improving? How are financial institutions improving in that arena or are they? Well, with cloud computing, I think we're still in the learning phase. We're still finding out what's new here. Um, there are so many new cloud providers out there. The, the contracts that you have with them are changing. 
it's difficult to lock down and say this is really what a cloud contract is. These are the standards that are out there, um, particularly for financial institutions that might be used to dealing with uh, core service providers that are knowledgeable of you know their the regulatory environments. The the service providers in the cloud space may not quite be there, and so those those contracts. The, the service level agreements, they're not necessarily made to benefit the financial institution. And then what about other emerging technologies, such as mobile? How does it fit into the vendor management fold? You know, what challenges do you see being posed there for financial institutions? Well, in one aspect, I'd like to be able to say that the guidance that we have for, say, outsourcing technology services, or we have other guidance on implementing Information security, all of that's still applicable, um, but that is that that is a little bit simplistic because mobile does have some specific challenges, particularly since it's so new. I think the security model behind it is not quite caught up. We see instances where uh, there are are breaches uh, that we weren't expecting uh, almost on a weekly basis from different uh, mobile platforms. So how do you uh, manage that as a vendor? If you're going into that, uh, you're going to have to deal with a lot more players than you would, um, for example, with a core service provider. Uh, you have to deal with the uh, network provider. You're going to have application developers. There's going to be network gateway providers. And so it becomes a lot more complicated for a financial institution to understand, for example, the, the security of their, their customer as it goes through the entire system. And where are some of the challenges posed by mobile where application development is concerned? Well, uh, I was uh, looking at some mobile apps recently, and I, and I use mobile banking quite a bit too. I find mobile banking actually helps me stay more secure because I can check my balances and look for you know any problems that may come up a lot quicker. Um, but there's there's a question of trust. Who are these developers that are um, uh, creating applications that will interface with the bank, either in contract with the bank or through aggregation type uh, techniques? And um, there's there's not always a lot of vetting who these vendors are, particularly when they're um, from a an indirect uh, banking model. So um, that's that's something I worry about. And then um, there's been cases where applications are released, and I think it's sort of a a typical um, internet type software model where we we are quick to market and then we fix the problems later. Uh, when it comes to dealing with uh, bank customer data, uh, we'd like to probably see a little bit more aggressive approach taken on uh, getting the software right the first time. Yeah, that's a good point that you raise with any emerging technology. That's something that um, you know comes into play with getting product development and your fraud and security teams to work together. What about some of the privacy concerns that surround mobile, Don? We talk a lot about geolocation, and of course, that could be something that's used as another layer of authentication or another layer of security, but it also poses privacy concerns. Isn't that interesting how the same, um, the same technology that can be used to improve security is also a security risk. Yes, um, so it's, it's going to depend on how the banks use it. And 
it, not just how the banks use it, but that data is there for others to use and it could leak out. And so uh, financial institutions that are going to have this built into their applications, they're going to have to review their compliance uh, requirements and um, what are their liabilities. And, and to think about from a risk process, you know, what are some of the potential things that could happen? What you would normally do in a risk assessment, like uh, analyzing potential threats to the data. And uh, it's certainly reasonable now to expect that certain types of that data could leak out through the application or the network. So it's, it's definitely something now for um, legal and the compliance side to take a look at. When it comes to some of these agreements that institutions would have with third-party providers, especially in the mobile arena, because a number of institutions are leaning on some of these outside providers to help them with mobile, it is an emerging technology. But when they're looking at some of these agreements and some of these privacy concerns, are there places they can go? Are there examples they can look to? Or is it just advantageous to get their legal departments involved, product development, as well as security, and just have them all put their heads together and figure out the best solution moving forward? Well, first of all, I wouldn't expect your vendor to necessarily guide you down the security path. This is going to be up to the financial institution. This is where the financial institution needs to figure out what its security strategy is for these devices, what their privacy strategy is for these devices. You do that during the risk assessment phase of deciding that you're going to go into this line of business. Then once you make that decision, you need to um, get those put into your contracts, your service level agreements, your licensing agreements. And then you have to monitor for compliance with those agreements. So there, there are some studies out there that said a lot of these vendors don't believe that security is their, their responsibility. It's the, the client's responsibility. And even if you pose, put the security on them, on, on a service provider, the, put the security requirement on them, there's only a certain amount of security that they're going to have to provide to meet the minimum requirements of the contract. So it's up to the bank, the financial institution, through its strategies, policies, contracting and monitoring to make sure that all of these uh, work together as part of their overall objectives. This is the end of the first part of a two-part interview with Donald Saxinger of the FDIC's Division of Supervision and Consumer Protection in the area of regulatory IT examinations. Be sure to check back for part two when we talk about business continuity planning and the impact SLAs have on recovery during disasters. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy King. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.bankinfosecurity.com.